ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Welcome back to History of a Haunting. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie. I'm Archie. Laura. <laughs> Say your name. Am I introducing myself this week? You are, because now you're third. You're three episodes deep, so. All right, fine. No this more special Laura. treatment. <laughs> no more special treatment. <laughs> <laughs> and our live studio audience is here. Say hi, mommy. Hi, mommy. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Who invited her? Who keeps inviting her back? um well we are back laura decided to come back and join us thank god um everybody the feedback that we're getting is everybody loves you laura they really like your perspective your take on things they think you're funny and uh yeah every time that's so nice if uh, somebody doesn't like me don't tell me i won't i won't that archie and i have that heart (laughs) that steadfast rule as well yep we don't hear the bad (laughs) shit um, so Arch, why don't you tell everybody where we're taking them this week and then we'll get into our EVPs and then you, Archie's back with his part. I commandeered the history from him last week. Well, it was so intertwined that there was really no way to do it. A thousand percent. Yeah. So, but um, I do, I do want to offer up some clarification in EVPs today with, um, angels and eyeballs. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to do, cause I had only heard in passing that, Angels appear as thousand eyeballed creatures. Yeah. So just to clarify, um, the prophet Ezekiel had a vivid vision of heaven where he sees many angelic beings known as living creatures. So this wasn't this was a vision he had, not technically an angel that he witnessed. Um, okay. so the Bible doesn't say how many cherubs or cherubim. There are, but we're told that Ezekiel saw four. Their role is to guard God's holy domain and presence from any sin and corruption. They're sometimes known as the throne angels as they are seen to be around the throne of God. So now here's where it gets weird. Having four faces on four sides of their heads and being arranged in a square, they can travel in any direction without having to turn. The word cherub may come from a term to guard, which would fit with their role. Um, Nowhere in the Bible are the cherubim directly called angels. So far from being cute, cuddly creatures, the cherubim are mighty and powerful guardians of God. Is anybody else picturing them looking like a Minecraft character if they've got four faces on either side of their (laughs) head? Well, there's there's a little more to that. Um, Great. What if two of the faces want to go in different directions? Then they have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I did did read a Bible excerpt, and I didn't catch on fire. Oh, Um, good, good. But um, what 
was found was in, um, quote, God's glory exits the temple. It starts out with nine. Then I looked and saw four wheels beside the cherubim, one wheel beside each cherub, and the wheels gleamed like a barrel stone, 10. As for their appearance, all four had the same form, like a wheel within a wheel, 11. When they moved, they would go in any of the four directions without turning as they moved. For wherever the head faced, the cherubim would go in that direction without turning as they moved. 12. Their entire bodies, including their backs, hands, and wings, were full of eyes all around, as were their four wheels. That's where it gets gross and creepy. Mm -hmm. 13, I heard the wheels were being called the whirling wheels. Um, 14, each of the cherubim had four faces. The first face was that of the cherub, the second that of a man, the third that of a lion, and the fourth that of an eagle. Certainly an amazing scene to see. Ezekiel's vision might seem strange, but it might be well that... Human eyes and senses cannot properly describe the wonder of heaven. So that's... That is a wonder, all right. I'll, it's a wonder, yeah. I don't know if that clears anything up, but at least I now have a source for the... For the <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> so we had gotten to talking in the Amityville episode about um, angels. And one of the claims in of the Lutz family was their young daughter... Missy claimed that she had an angel for a friend named Jody. And this Jody angel could turn into a pig, a demonic looking pig. So then we got to talking about what angels look like. And Archie was like, well, I read that they have eyeballs all over their bodies. And Laura and I were horrified. And I was like, what's your source for this? So that's why he's clarifying. Oh, yeah. Like, so it's, not, it's, a, it's, it's a vision it's, from Ezekiel. It's a vision from Ezekiel and it's not angels, it's cherubs. So well, I'm glad that clarifies that. Yeah. And maybe right? Ezekiel should not eat the plants or <laughs> the fungi that are growing out where he was. Just before going to bed. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that on that, guys. Do you have anything else, Arch? Um, nope, that's it. No, okay. can't really top that, Archie. No, no, I, I, I really, yeah, um, hate going after Archie when he has like information like this. It's like, how do I follow that? Um, <laughs> God damn it. Um, so I, we got a message from a listener that said that um, she had just listened to Amityville and one of her kids had actually gone into the military and they had to go through a lie detector. They had to take a lie detector test and the, um, their child couldn't say like what questions they were asked. They asked them, they asked them like baseline questions, like, is your name da 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 is, you know, do you live at this address? Are these your sibling kind of a thing to like set the baseline for it. And then they asked them a bunch of other questions, but not everybody that goes into the military is given a lie detector test. I guess it's based on what, your classes you're going to take in that branch of the military. So if it's highly classified, then you have to take a lie detector test. And like one of the questions they asked was, are you a terrorist of the United States? 
I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. we had gotten into Amityville. We had gotten into a conversation where the Lutzes who made this claim that the house was haunted, mom, they took a lie detector test. But, and Laura and I had gotten to talking about how lie detector information isn't, I don't even, it's not, Laura, it's not allowed in court. Like they can't use it as evidence, right? Right, not anymore. Yeah. So we had gone into that discussion. So this listener had, had messaged in and had said, um, you know, interesting fact, the military does use lie detectors. Cause I think we were wondering why they were even used if they couldn't be used for like evidence in a trial. But so. Well, the military has their own standard of proof. Yeah. You know, they right. basically own you. So if they don't like what you're saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was the one EVP that I had. And then the other one that I had, I did want to kind of make a clarification because um, in the episode, we talk about the DeFeo family and even the Lutz family and how the, the patriarchs, the fathers of both families were very abusive men to their wives and to their children. And I was listening to it as I was editing it. And then I was listening to it again after I had like uploaded it and just wanted to kind of make sure everything was fine. And I realized that some of the stuff that I said in the episode could be taken as victim shaming of the DeFeo family. Um, some of the jokes that I had made with regard to um, the father focusing a lot of his, his anger and his abuse on Butch DeFeo, who was the son that ended up murdering his entire family. So I want to make it very clear that I wasn't in any way, shape or form victim shaming the DeFeos. Um, it, I have no tolerance or patience or anything like that for domestic violence of any sort, be it parent to a child, child to a parent, husbands, wives, anything like that. Um, but I, I definitely wasn't doing that. But at the same time, I was sort of talking crap about domestic abusers. This particular one ended up becoming a victim. And so I wasn't victim shaming him. I realized how that could have come across and sounded. So I wanted to make that quick little point of clarification. So oh. that's that on that. Okay. All right. All right. Let's, let's take it up a notch to a much lighter, happier place. I'm just kidding. This place that we're talking about today isn't much lighter or happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that reason, yeah, Sarge, why don't you tell everybody, including Laura. So, okay, Mom, I didn't let you know that Laura doesn't ever know where we're, what we're doing. Oh. Until we announce it to Oops. her and the listeners. Um, maybe she didn't. <laughs> she hasn't done. Yeah. But, um, Carrie, this is a place you've recently visited. We are going to the Yuma Territorial Prison. Yay, I love this place so much. It is very cool. And um, I love all haunted places so much. I know my mom's over here going, where did I go wrong? (laughs) So, uh, Arch, welcome back to your part. Go ahead and take it away. Huzzah. um, He only gave me a B- minus on my history for Amityville. (laughs) (laughs) Last week, yeah. (laughs) Well, the amount of information I found on Yuma Territorial Prison was sparse and typically the same information I found in several places. So instead of one resource, um, <laughs> I got my information from yumaprison.org, Wikipedia, and Atlas Obscura. 
Yay. Oh, I do want to say that again, guys, if you can, if you're able to, if in whatever hobbies you have or jobs you do, if you can donate some money to Wikipedia to keep them going, we always do Archie and I because well, it keeps this podcast going. We it's, such a, <laughs> it's such a good resource for everyone. It's a really good resource, yeah. So we always um, want to encourage everybody to donate what they can to Wikipedia because I guarantee at some point everybody has gotten information from there. So so I just donated um, last week, in fact. So, yeah. Okay. Hello, hello. Merry Christmas. All right. Well, uh, opened when Arizona was still a U.S. territory, the first seven inmates entered the territorial prison at Yuma on July 1st, 1876, and were locked into the new cells they had built themselves. Isn't that kind of cruel? I think that's kind of cruel. It's kind of typical, because every, yeah. every other prison we've read about that they build, they, they build it for themselves, essentially. Yeah, I mean, and they knew, they knew exactly, like, how it was built, so they knew that they there was no escape from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were well, not thinking ahead. No. They should have planted a key or <laughs> a brick or something. Well, for the next 33 years, 3,069 prisoners, including 29 women, lived within these walls during the prison's years of operation. Among the 29 women sentenced to Yuma was 16-year-old Maria Moreno, who shot her brother after he complained about the way she was dancing. <laughs> All right, Maria. Right. There was you go, also, girl. Right. There was also Pearl Hart. Pearl and her partner, Joe Boot, committed the last stagecoach robbery in Arizona. They robbed the Globe stage and were caught very quickly. Joe Boot was sentenced to 30 years and would later escape. Pearl Hart, after being tried twice, was given five years. The prison was known for its strict rules. Um, weapons, gambling, and fighting were prohibited, as was littering and failing to bathe. Those uh, that's, were... uh, that's a valid one. I, I think that's valid. <laughs> Those think, were... I think we need to institute that just in general for the Today. general public. <laughs> <laughs> so I can enjoy my trip to Target, please. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, those who broke the rules could be forced to wear the ball and chain, and more serious offenders would be sent to the, quote, dark cell. The dark cell was basically an excavation in the hillside measuring 15 by 15 with a cage in the center. You know, on those hot summer days, that sounds like it might be a good place to be. Um, let's see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so much mm-hmm. coming up in your part. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely expand on that in my part. Uh, the latter half of the 19th century in the United States was considered an era of moral reform, fueled by popular movements to address talent challenges such as slavery, prison reform, prostitution, and polygamy. Following the passage of the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act in 1862, one could wonder if these men were breaking the law or being persecuted for their religious beliefs. Ding, ding, ding. Oh. The act specifically outlawed a man marrying a second living wife, and this attempt at prosecution was aimed directly at the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons, in Utah and surrounding territories. With the Civil War well underway and Utah far from federal authority, the law was almost impossible to enforce, even if the U.S. president wanted to, since no officers or funds were allocated for its implementation. 
This era in the history of the Yuma Territorial Prison was short-lived. By 1890, the LDS Church issued the manifesto which banned plural marriage. In 1909, the last prisoner left the Territorial Prison for the newly constructed Arizona State Prison Complex located in Florence, Arizona. Um, Yuma has also was also the third historic park in Arizona. Uh, the state historic park also contains a graveyard where 104 of the prisoners are buried. It's creepy as hell, too. <laughs> Yuma Union High School occupied the buildings from 1910 to 1914. Oh, good Lord. Oh, my God, I forgot about this. <laughs> Once, when the school's football team played against Phoenix and unexpectedly won, the Phoenix team called the Yuma team criminals, quote, and Yuma High adopted the nickname with pride, sometimes shortened <laughs> to crims, and the school symbol is the face of a hardened criminal, and the student merchandise shop is called the cell block. <laughs> I awesome. think that, isn't that funny? That I cute. love that. Super funny. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely, uh, when I attended high school, really felt like it was a prison. So yeah. And you'd have, you'd have <laughs> that going well, for High school was a prison I successfully <laughs> escaped from every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, I, I wasn't a fan. Um, fun fact, um, the prison had more modern amenities than most of the homes in Yuma did, and the humans resented that. This prison had electricity, forced ventilation, sanitation, including two bathtubs and three showers, a library with 2,000 books, the most in the territory at the time, and enlightened progressive administration. They even had a freaking band. Yes, they did. <laughs> And the people of Yuma didn't have these things. I think I read somewhere um, that the residents of Yuma kind of called the prison a resort just because of all the amenities it had. Yeah, like a country club or something. I think. Yeah, a country club, something like that. I thought yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah. Forced relaxation? Okay. Right. <laughs> it doesn't sound too bad. Is it still open? Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Do we have room rates? What if we get a block? <laughs> wah, wah. Did you hear that? Oh, All right. Making dad jokes. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I've got. Well, great so, job, Arch. Yeah. yeah. It was I had to do a little digging for that, but it was it was good. You had to earn your keep this week, huh? I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will be right back after this promotion from one of my favorite podcasts, Happy Hour Gets Weird, and then we will get back to the ghosts. Hi, I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And we're the hosts of Happy Hour Gets Weird. On our podcast, we talk all things weird, like UFOs, Bigfoot, astrology, ghosts, and even true crime. And every episode, we create a fabulous new cocktail. So fabulous. If you're looking for a little weirdness, please search Happy Hour Gets Weird on your favorite podcast platform. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. All right. Welcome back, guys. Um, let's talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the hauntings. Forgive me, I didn't charge my iPad, so I've got this all on my phone, and I'm blind, so. Oh, this would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if it sounds like I'm just making shit up at some point, I probably am, 
Um, <laughs> because I can't <laughs> see what the hell it says. Um, Large it. Well, I, I, well, okay, I can, but then it's, you know, well, Lord, you have to have it, for I, God's I, sake. <laughs> <laughs> Ask your mom to read it to you. <laughs> you like a bedtime story. Do you want to do this story? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, why do we keep having her back? I don't. <laughs> I love you so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so I got my um, <clears throat> part from a lot of sources. Not, I mean, Archie generally just has like one or two. Would you have three today? I have three today, yeah. Yeah, I got a lot. Um, YumaHeritage.com, WeirdUS.com, SeeksGhost.blogspot.com, Arizona Republic, Only in Your State, AZ Family, Legends of America, True West Magazine, All.com, YumaPrison.org, IMDB.com, and myself. I'm a source this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, um, yes. Uh, so... Yeah. Oh, great. See, now I have a shrink. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> so last year, just last year in September 2019, I'm going to start my part out with this. I found an article that says, um, essentially, stories like the ones I'm about to tell have long given the state historic park a reputation as one of the most haunted places in the United States. Not the most, but one of the most arch. Because I know Archie's always <laughs> like, everybody says they're the most haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, however, now it's actually official, uh, USA Today readers have voted on the historic prison as the best haunted destination in the nation. The Yuma prison staff faced stiff competition to win the award, going up against destinations with sinister sounding names such as the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, the Velisca Axe Murder House, and the Queen Mary, all of which have, an estab- have established reputations as being haunted and all of which we have covered here on this podcast. Well, three. Yep. I'm counting. <laughs> yeah, so they did. They really did go up against some pretty heavy hitter, you know, infamously haunted locations. Um, and they were voted by the readers as best haunted destination in the nation. So describe best. Uh, probably has most activity, the scariest, like, you know, people. Um, have I'm going to go with I'm going to go with ease of access. Yeah. Because the Ajo prison not easily accessible. That was a hotbed. Oh, you mean the hospital? In you mean the hospital? Hospital? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. hospital. Oh. What did I say? <laughs> Prison. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Little Miss My Family's from Ajo got all offended. Like, there's a prison there. <laughs> Sorry. My bad. God. <laughs> did you get our history straight? He did. He just got the like, name wrong. <laughs> Words are hard. We say it every week. Whatever. Oh my god! <laughs> wow! Not only could I see the eye roll, I could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, how about you? What um, have you ever heard of this location? Have you ever been there? I think I've heard of it, but no, I've never been there. Okay, it's um, it's located on right off of the eight. So, and it's pretty much like one of the last exits before you get to the California state line. And you go through the inspection station there. Like, it's literally one of the last stops, like, off-ramps in Yuma. So, so I've definitely driven by it. 
A thousand percent, yeah. And it's uh, if you look off to your right, you would have seen it if you knew that that's what it was. Like I've made that drive so many times that I was, and I had no idea that it was literally right there. So, um, anyway, so uh, kind of expanding a little bit on Archie's history, um, uh, people were committing were they committed crimes ranging from murder to larceny, cattle rustling, and horse theft. Um, there was one gentleman that was actually in the prison for seduction under the promise of marriage. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was actually thrown into the Yuma Territorial Prison for seduction under the promise of marriage. So I feel like there are so many people that could be thrown in jail for something like this. Wow. <laughs> right? Right. You okay? Almost everybody you know, anyway. Uh, certainly. <laughs> Your mom just called. Ow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think, <laughs> didn't you have something to do? <laughs> Go be. No? Okay. Um, so the main cell block housed more than 200 convicts and accommodations were tight. Um, and they would put often put six men to a cell. Um, so it got very crowded, especially if you're not liked by your other cellmates. This often caused problems. Um, they only took showers once a week, which was on a Saturday. Um, they also had the problem of the bucket that was used as a restroom, and it was emptied out only once a day, if that. Ooh. Archie's face. Guys, it was the 1800s, <laughs> like 1880s. You can still empty a bucket more than once a day. It's not like you needed technology for that. <laughs> oh, there goes the country club feature. Of, right, uh, exactly. Exactly. I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. Archie, cancel that room block. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it says, uh, the article continued, not what you would consider luxurious, as everybody has unanimously agreed. But during that period, the prison actually was ahead of the game. Like Archie mentioned, it had electricity before the actual town of Yuma did. It did have a ventilation system at the prison, and it actually, as Archie mentioned, had the best library in town. Um, which you can, when you go on a when you go on tour of the location, you see the library, and it's really tiny. Like, it makes it seem like, oh, 2,000 books, and oh, it was so amazing and great and wonderful, and it's like, a bookshelf. <laughs> it was this tiny, tea tiny little room that I they must have just squished every single book in from floor to ceiling on the shelves. It was really small. Um, with the buckets, now we know why they needed the ventilation system. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, even the way prison officials kept tabs on the inmates was considered innovative. They had a special mirror that was used when snapping mugshots. It was one way to get both views of the convict. And actually, unfortunately, the first 200 convicts don't actually don't have one of these photos, but the remaining ones that were there do. At this prison, there were some pretty famous faces. Archie touched on a couple of them. Um, the most famous male convict was probably Buckskin Frank Leslie. Now, Archie, does that name and mom, does that name sound familiar to you? No. Why would it sound familiar to me? Does it sound familiar to you? <laughs> or me. <laughs> he was a fixture in Tombstone. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Lord. I can't remember him. Yeah, we pay attention to everything we say here at History of the Keep forgetting Arizona is such a fucking small town. 
<laughs> so um, hang on, time for a sip. Okay. Um, so he was a, kind of a fixture in Tombstone about the same time that Wyatt Earp and his brothers were down there. So he was actually sent to Yuma Territorial Prison for murder. Now, this guy, um, apparently he was an excellent shot, and Wyatt Earp had actually once commented about how he was almost as good as Doc Holliday. Um, Frank Leslie was friendly with the Earps, but he was actually, he was also known to be a very mean drunk. Um, <laughs> I've known a few of those, yeah. I've dated a few of those. Um, he, his reputation is that of being believed to be the one who shot and killed Johnny Ringo. Now, Johnny Ringo was one of the men that ambushed and killed Morgan Earp on the pool table that they have there on display at the birdcage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, after the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah. So this guy, Frank Leslie, he actually did shoot and kill Billy Claiborne, who was also part of the gunfight at the OK Corral. Yeah. But he's the guy that ran away during it. <laughs> so he's got that reputation um he's also got the reputation of being kind of this like weaselly fella um he actually had even demanded that everyone call him billy the kid once william bonnie the original billy the kid had died and he demanded everybody that like after the real billy the kid died he demanded that he now be known as billy the kid Oh, Jesus. And everybody was just kind of like, <laughs> he's like, what? Seriously? <laughs> um, so I really found that funny. But uh, so, yes, this friend Leslie did kill him. Um, he was also married a few times. And in between the marriages, he hooked up with one of the shady ladies at the birdcage. Her oh. name was Molly. What was what was some of their occupation names? Ceiling experts? And um, what was, was horizontal? Horizontal, horizontally employed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Horizontal what? Horizontally employed. <laughs> so he hooked up with one of these uh, horizontally employed shady ladies at the birdcage, a woman named Molly. And I guess they both loved whiskey and fighting incessantly and with their final fight ending with him shooting her in the head. Oh. Uh, Along with, yeah, along with a man named James Neal, who witnessed her being shot. He survived and she died. So it was for this murder of Molly and attempted murder of James that Frank Leslie was sentenced to 25 years in the Yuma Territorial Prison in 1889, but he only served seven years. He was busy. He was very busy. <laughs> he was very busy. Um, he was constantly getting married, beating the women, divorcing them marrying others, just kind of running his mouth. He was, he was certainly a character. Um, now, like Archie mentioned, the, woman, the prison even had women convicts. Um, but when it opened up in 1876, the planners apparently overlooked an important detail because the builders never envisioned women prisoners. So two years later, Liz Lizzie Gallagher became the first of 29 women who Archie had said would serve time at the prison. She was convicted for manslaughter. Since there were no facilities for women, she was placed in solitary confinement. It wasn't until 1893 when inmates carved out a women's ward out of solid granite. Jesus. So they were not, they were continuously yeah. building this prison. Isn't that crazy? In this heat? I mean, granted, I'm sure it wasn't as hot as it is today in the Arizona desert in 18, whatever, but still. Um, 
the women's ward was constructed on the west end of the rec of the recreation ward. It was demolished in 1922 when the Southern Pacific Railroad constructed a new rail line. And that's still there to this day. So it's like prison, rail line, interstate eight is how that goes. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Archie, I didn't, I was, um, hope I had come across Pearl Hart in my research and I was hoping that you hadn't gone into too, too much detail about her because I found something hysterical. I try um, not to because you do find such good things. She's also <laughs> one of the ones rumored to haunt the prison. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so I guess during her trial, she changed into a pretty dress and told the jury that she had robbed the stagecoach to get enough money to visit her sick mother back east. She batted her eyes, lifted her skirt, revealing a well-shaped ankle. And <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. I was like, this just got really good. Right? <laughs> the hard left turn at <laughs> I was like, she's my favorite already. Already, oh, yes. Um, and flirted shamelessly with the all-male jury. But again, this was in the 1880s, so showing a little ankle was kind of like Sharon stoning everybody in basic Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I chuckled like yeah, Archie no. is. Um, actually... So my mom just asked, did it help her? Uh, it did, because they found her not guilty. Yeah. <laughs> um, judge, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't guilty. Um, the judge was outraged and, outraged and chastised the jury for succumbing to Pearl's charm. He ordered her to be tried again, this time for stealing the driver's pistol. Um, so that's why she got the five years. So... Apparently, it was the golden age of yellow journalism. Do you, either one of you know what that is? Yellow? I hope it's not racist. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I, again, if I was any kind of podcaster, I would have looked that up, but I, I'm not, so I didn't. Um, anyway, listeners, what, what is yellow? Darn. There Somebody we go. look it up real quick. Aaron, look that up. <laughs> um, <laughs> So apparently it was the golden age of yellow journalism. I guess it's I'm guessing it's called coward. It's considered cowardly journalism. It's sensationalism and crude exaggeration. Oh. Thanks, Google. Ooh, okay. nice. All right. Aaron, never mind. Um, <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> probably so it's, it's TMZ, pre-TMZ. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, that's wild, a perfect explanation. Wild West TMZ. Okay. So newspapers, especially the Hearst Press turned her into a national celebrity. She was sentenced to five years in the prison. Uh, her buddy, Joe, were they a couple, Archie? I can't remember if you... Um, Joe Boot. Um, I don't know. It was just an, an accomplice or are they like together? She, they're, they're, the story is told that he's her partner, but it doesn't expunge on that. It doesn't say romantically or maybe they were in business robbing places. That sounds more like it. Her criminal yeah. partner, her sexual partner, her. Yeah. Yeah. Could it, be I, I couldn't find anything that explained it, just that they were probably just in business together. They were in cahoots. Cahoots. They were in cahoots. Good old fashioned word. Good old cahoots. Five points for Laura. 
<laughs> and Laura wins this round. Okay. Um, so he was given 20 years. <laughs> so apparently Pearl enjoyed her celebrity status at the prison. Visitors and reporters were allowed to visit her. She obligingly posed for photos and signed autographs. <laughs> wow. One story has it that she informed the warden she was pregnant and he notified the governor of Arizona. At that point, it was decided by all it was time for Pearl to be asked to leave Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) So she was paroled on December 15th, 1902, and she immediately headed east for Kansas City, where she launched, launched her show business career as, quote, the girl bandit. Oh, boy. Yeah, the article ended with its with this. It turned out Pearl was no better an actress than she was a stagecoach robber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't win them all, honey. Um, uh, or, or any of them. <laughs> or, um, any of them, apparently, right. So um, now another uh, famous female inmate was Manuela Fimbres. She was doing time for being an accessory to murder, and she gave birth um, to a baby while she was in Yuma Territorial Prison. For the next couple of years, until she was released, the baby remained with her. Prison life apparently had not reformed the woman um, because she remained an incorrigible inmate. She was pardoned out of concern for her baby, and the guards were happy to see her go, but they actually had grown fond of the infant and regretted the fact that she took it with her. (laughs) I can't believe that they kept the infant in the prison with her. Mm-hmm. The 1800s, I mean. There are countries that still do this if they have pregnant. Really? Mm-hmm. And the children stay with their mother. Wow. That's Not awesome. anymore. Yeah. I mean, Where were you born? I was born in the ter- territorial prison. Right. <laughs> My mom was serving time. Yeah. <laughs> God. I know. Could you imagine? Wow. Um... So another one, and this is, I, this woman, I believe, has, so when you go to the prison, you go into the, through the museum first, and in the museum, it shows you, like, the different types of shackles that they would wear, and, like, it actually has, like, the, the inmates' clothing that they would wear, but they also have, like, big, huge banners hanging from the walls of the different inmates, and this Elena Estrada, who I'm about to talk about, is one of them. She has her own banner. She has her own banner, um, and here's why. But let me tell you why. (laughs) Um, She was in prison for a crime of passion. She was sentenced to seven years for manslaughter when she stabbed her unfaithful lover, then cut open his chest, pulled out his heart, and threw the bloody mass into his face. Oh, my God. (laughs) You don't want to cross her, do you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Laura, do you have any commentary on that? No, I'm uh, glad I haven't dated her. Right? (laughs) Um, This one is actually kind of weird. I came across a site that said that this was more of a tall tale than historical fact, but the prison's official website and the museum itself state this is, in fact, the crime she committed and why she was there. So it was just the one website that I found that claimed the crime was exaggerated, but, I mean, if the prison itself is, is saying it, you know what I mean? Like, then it's probably legit. Maria Moreno, that was the one, this is Marino, was the one that Archie was talking about that was in prison for the murder of her brother. I found this funny as well. Again, murder's not funny, but this article, the way it was 
written was oh no there's more to it oh god <laughs> so her brother who was 15 did not like the way his sister maria who was 16 was dancing and told her to stop maria threatened to kill him and alfred said kill me then so maria got a shotgun and shot her brother in the face killing him instantly Jeez. well i mean she did what he asked <laughs> i know she's like all right bam <laughs> I swear to God, Aaron's was 16. She was 16 and her brother was 15. <laughs> Sibling rivalry, maybe? I mean, what if Uncle Dwayne and if you, well, then just kill me. And then he did. Like, like I, I wouldn't be here to tell the tale. I, I mean, I certainly <laughs> wouldn't be here to tell this no. one. <laughs> it's like the 1800s version of talk shit, get hit. <laughs> I'm absolutely putting that in the show notes, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, some other notable inmates um, was William Jordan Flake. So, Arch, when you were talking about the, um, the polygamy and all of that, he, this was the gentleman that was imprisoned in the Yuma Territorial Prison for having two wives. Oh, yeah, there were, there were several yeah, yeah. So this guy, um, in 1878, he, uh, a man named Erastus Snow, and I'm include, including this because it's a fun fact about Arizona that I don't think a lot of people know. Oh, um, oh his last name was Snow? His last name was Snow. Erastus Snow. And another one was Flake? Flake, yes. And he visited okay. he visited William Flake, and um, they co-founded the town of Snowflake. Oh, um, there we go. Da-da. Yeah, snow for me and flake <laughs> for you, Erastus Snow had told him. So Flake had, he actually was a rancher and a prominent cattleman in the state, noted for his generosity and his assistance to his neighbors. In 1883, Flake was imprisoned in the Yuma Territorial Prison for a short time for unlawful cohabitation. Again, like Archie said, a common charge used to prosecute LDS men under the Edmonds Act. After his release, he was asked which of his wives he was going to give up, he replied, neither. I married both in good faith and intend to support both of them. He had served his sentence and basically couldn't be retried on the same charges. So nice. he was free to live with both of his wives. Um, and him and the two wives, I think their names were Lucy and Prudence. They went on to have 20 children. Oh. Yeah. yeah. There was no TV back then to do anything else. Oh. So when, you know, the cattle Go were for a walk. taken. Jesus. <laughs> You need to find yourself some more cattle to herd. Uh, <laughs> or get some sheep. <laughs> um, what I thought was really interesting was, so William Jordan Flake had 11 sons and nine daughters and lived to the age of 93, passing away on August 10th, 1932 in Snowflake, Arizona. When he died, this is what I thought was interesting. When he died, the flag at the Arizona State Capitol was flown at half-staff in honor of his contribution to the settlement of the state. Yeah, because he basically, like, populated half the state. Populated it, right? <laughs> all, of, all of northern Arizona. <laughs> Thank you so much for populating half the state. Yeah, I had done a, kind of a, a bit of a deep dive into like his descendants and everything, there's a gazillion flakes, including Senate, U.S. Senator Jeff Flake is related to this now. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, there's a gazillion flakes. I was like, I'll be here for fucking days if I keep this up. <laughs> so the prison, now the hauntings. I, I mean, I know that was a lot more history, and but 
I, I actually do have ghosts to tell you about. <laughs> um, so the prison has been a hub of paranormal activity and reports include spirits of uh, inmates on death row and a woman wandering the banks of the nearby Colorado River looking for her drowned daughter. So more on... That's familiar. <laughs> huh? That sounds familiar. I know, right? Like a La Llorona kind of thing. Uh -huh. But it, was, it, it wasn't anything like that. And I'll get to the daughter here in, in just a sec. Um, so the park manager by the name of Mike... Oh, God. Design. Oh boy, here we go. I mean, Desimon would be easier to say. Do you know how to pronounce that one? Werton. Werton? Werton. Werton. Okay. Mike Werton. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting an Irish inflection on that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's G U E R T I N. Do you guys have a guess? I would go with Werton. Werton? Mm -hmm. um, Laura's like, I ain't even touching that one. <laughs> I'm all, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds great. Whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so park manager Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Simon. Pointed <laughs> out other stories and sort of um, theorized as to why souls would become trapped in the prison. Um, so there was at least one prisoner that hanged himself in a cell. A couple of inmates did die in a riot in 1887. There were several escape attempts that didn't go so well where inmates ended up getting shot by guards and dying. Um, most inmates that died at the prison died from tuberculosis. Um, and there's, as Archie had also mentioned, there's an old cemetery down the hill from the prison, which is reported to be actually the most haunted location of the two locations. Like the, the cemetery is more haunted than the actual prison is. Um, so then there's the cruelty of life in the prison and the cruelty of the imprisoned men, some who had committed murder, which this park manager Mike feels is why some of these souls are stuck there. Um, it's no surprise that some visitors have sworn that an angry voice had told them to get out. Many paranormal reports come from the dark cell, which was used to punish inmates who broke the rules. Okay, so <clears throat> the dark cell. Um, Again, many paranormal reports come from the dark cell, which was used to punish the inmates who broke the rules. And when a prisoner broke the rules, he was confined in a solitary, in solitary to the dark cell. Now this cell was actually carved into the hillside. Mm -hmm. um, it measured 10 feet by 10 feet. The prisoner would be dressed in only his underwear and existed on one meal of bread and water each day. He would sometimes have both legs individually chained, chained to two ring bolts. So, and the only light during the day came from a small ventilation shaft in the ceiling that obviously had bars over it. Laura, you look like you have a question. No, I was just thinking some people pay good money for that. <laughs> <laughs> are those people on Scruff? Grinder? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, many, are they? Many of them are. <laughs> <laughs> Or just all, I know a few. <laughs> yeah. Dodged a couple bullets. Like <laughs> He's like, I don't want to go up the hillside again. <laughs> <laughs> so this cell, you guys, so it does, it looks like it is carved into like the hillside, rocky mountain area of where the prison is at. Um, and when you walk in, because when you go on the tour, you can go into this horrible, awful room. But in it, and today when you walk in, there's a metal cage bottom bolted to the floor of the, in the center of this dark cell. 
And in it, I guess they had an actual like barred prison cell that was maybe, I think they said five feet, 10 inches tall, just under six feet tall. So the prisoner would be shackled by his legs to these ring bolts in this cell, in this dark, cut out, cavernous room. And that's where they would have to stay for however long the warden determined, depending on what the infraction was. Um, So I guess, um, I'm sorry, I'm having flashbacks. It's a truly awful room to be in. Um, (laughs) Even as a tourist, I was like, I got to get out of here. But hang on, let me run my EVP recorder for a few minutes. Um, (laughs) So... The only ventilation came from a small ventilation shaft in the ceiling, which, like I said, was covered with bars. After the sun went down, the prisoner was in complete and total darkness. Even in broad daylight, which is when I went, it was completely pitch black in this. Because there's about a 10, maybe 20 foot hallway that you have to walk through to get to this room. Prisoners often complained and reported that from the outside, the sadistic guards would drop snakes and scorpions down into the cell on top of them. Oh, rude. Mm-hmm. God. Terrible, I know. Blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> and if they weren't doing that, then the critters were just getting in and slithering into the cell just on their own. Because again, middle of the Arizona fucking desert. Um, yeah, awful. Um after serving their time in the dark cell, some prisoners were actually had to be directly sent to this insane asylum in Phoenix after spending time. In I, I did. I did read that. Did you read that? Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Um, so inmates could be tossed in the dark cell for minor infractions. Like Archie, you had mentioned talking back to a guard, swearing, gambling, more extreme or more extreme infractions like fighting mm-hmm. one, one inmate and I'm sorry. I swear I listened to you when you do your part. But did you mention John Clay in your when you were talking about this? I did not actually mention oh, <laughs> many inmates. Just uh, Maria Moreno and Pearl Hart. Okay. Well, in Joe Boot, but he doesn't count. I mean, he really does. Was he, <laughs> was he there? I don't think. I can't remember. If, I don't think I re- came across anywhere that he was there. Too. I can't oh, imagine. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Um, he wasn't as pretty or had as sexy an ankle as Pearl, so no one cared. <laughs> so one inmate, John Clay, was detained in the dark cell for a total of 104 days, the most of any Yuma prisoner. I know. Um, for his rebellious behavior toward prison staff. Surprisingly, and here's where we circle back to that little girl that drowned in the river, um, the most prominent ghost in the dark cell seems to be that of a small child. She's a playful prankster and seems attracted to children and people wearing red. Um, And this is what state historian Marshall Trimble has said. He says the girl died as families took up residence in the prison after its closure in 1909 during the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So this little girl actually lived there with her family and had actually drowned accidentally in the river. So it's not a La Llorona type of thing. But it, it it actually, but it it is, <laughs> but it, it it is kind of because then when her mother died, now her mother is spending the afterlife looking for her drowned child, because she's also a known uh, 
entity there. So <clears throat> many psychics touring the prison feel that the spirit isn't an angry prisoner in the dark cell, but this rather that of this little girl, which that's terrible. Like why would a child's spirit be haunting that of all the places in the prison? Cause it's very small, but it's also like, there's a number of other places you could go, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> check out the museum there's a gift shop maybe you want to hang out there hey the guard tower has a great view there's 2,000 <laughs> books in the library there's 2,000 books in the library exactly <laughs> so <clears throat> a staff writer for Arizona Highways magazine <laughs> wanted to experience what the prisoners went through <clears throat> oh god yeah I read Did this you find this? <laughs> And she attempted to spend 48 hours in the dark cell. She was shackled to the ring bolt with only a jug of water and a loaf of bread. So she apparently fell short of her goal by 11 hours at the 37th hour, insisting that she felt she wasn't alone in the cell, freaking out. She demanded to be released. Um, Probably didn't help that the ventilation shaft was covered, blocking out all rays of light day or night. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) So this woman had, like, best of intentions, goes in there and was like, I want to experience what they experienced. It doesn't, I I didn't see anything that said what time of year she did this. Did you? I didn't either. But see anything about, like, why the hell she wanted to in the first place? She just wanted journalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Basically, yeah. Um, so yeah, after about 37 hours, she had had all that she could take and demanded to be let out because she said that she felt like she wasn't alone in there. But I honestly think in in that kind of a situation, I feel like y- your mind might start playing tricks on you. In that point, if you were by yourself in the dark. Dead quiet. Knew the history. Knew the history. Mm. Um, It isn't the most inviting place. It's not supposed to be, but even still to this day. Um, So it is, this is where me being a source comes in. The room is actually super hella creepy and it's super dark. Um, So I had recorded some video and we can put one of those videos up on our social media. I took a video of it in there and it is really fucking dark. Like the only sunlight that shone through was from the outside entrance and then just sort of kind of eerily illuminated this bottom cage floor that they still have bolted to the ground in there. It's all rusty. It's gross. Um, Watched a couple of shows, Buzzfeed Unsolved. Our buddies Shane and Ryan did an episode there and they were panicking because bats live in there at night. (laughs) and i mean it's still you know you must still in the middle of the arizona desert so i'm sure that there's probably still snakes and scorpions that get in there i can't imagine this woman doing this i sure wouldn't not in any sort of investigative (laughs) paranormal training no way Mm -mm. um certainly not alone either but um no you drag me along for it (laughs) I think I'm going to be sick for this one. (laughs) I think, I I think, I think we're going out of town with my girlfriend (laughs) that weekend. (laughs) What day is it again? Yeah, I'm definitely busy. I'm definitely busy. (laughs) So it was funny too, because when I was there, I, 
they, because of COVID, I had gone in the middle of October. And so they were allowing small groups in at a time. So it was kind of like Winchester. It was sort of self-guided, which made it really wonderful because I got there shortly after it opened and there were hardly any people there. So it really did feel like I was there by myself because I kind of wandered around by myself the whole entire time I was there. So it was funny because I was in there and I'm by myself and I was doing my little EVP session and and I said, you know, is there anybody here that wants to talk to me? You can talk to this recorder, da, 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 da. Like I didn't bring everything with me, just the EVP recorder. So I'm in (laughs) the back corner of this cell block and I hear a family outside and they're like, ooh, it's the dark cell. And I was like, okay, I should probably wrap this EVP session up because people are coming and they're going to be like, what is this person doing? So I didn't shut the EVP recorder off. I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to leave now. Thank you so much. And I go to walk out of it as, and it appeared to be a family of a husband and wife and their, one of their mothers, so the grandma, and then their kids. And the grandma is the first one walking into the dark cell as I'm step out of the darkness into the doorway to leave the cell. And you scared the shit out of the grandma. Yes, I did. Oh my God. (laughs) She screamed and turned tail and ran out and was like, there's someone in there. (laughs) It's just me. I'm sorry. And I captured the entire like thing on the recorder. Oh no, you didn't. Oh God. And the husband I'm assuming by his hysterical reaction, or maybe it was, you know, maybe he had a relationship with his mother like Koi has with me. The husband was doubled over in hysterics <laughs> to the point that he actually coughed out faint to me. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was just coming at She, she wasn't expecting me and <laughs> actually choked out Thank you so much. That is the best laugh I've had all day. (laughs) And the woman, once she realized it was like another tour guest just walking out, but it was, it's so dark in there that like you really couldn't see, especially from coming in from the blinding sunlight, you couldn't see, you know how your eyes have to adjust to a dark room. And I happened to just morph out of the dark into the light. (laughs) (laughs) This poor little lady screamed so loud and ran (laughs) and hid behind her family. (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. It was. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't tell me that until now. I know. I, I know. <laughs> I, I just now thought of it. I was like, oh, that's right. I scared that little old lady. Um, but yeah, the husband <laughs> was like, yourself, a little, yeah. Yeah. Even the husband was like, thank you so much. That was so funny. And I'm like, I didn't know. I'm just walking out of the room. Um, <laughs> but sure. So. So that was the dark cell. Um, I can't imagine that everybody's exit from the dark cell is that humorous, but mine sure was. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's actually not the only place where ghostly activity occurs. Park assistant manager Jesse Torres um, was in the museum early one morning, getting it ready for the opening when he thought that a coworker had called out to him, did you get it? Um, he proceeded to go back to the office in the museum to talk to her, 
But when he got there, he realized that she was actually in the Ramada building, which is nowhere near the museum part of it. Um, he, in fact, he was actually the only one in the museum, but clearly heard somebody say, did you get it? Oh. So, yeah. Um, he continued that at the far end of the corridor, so there's cells, all of the cells have outdoor openings. So like all of the cell doors face the outside. And when you go through the museum to the actual cell blocks, you go basically outside and then there's like rows on either side of this big section of cells. And then you go further in and then that's like the newer part of the cell block. Um, but again, all the doors face the outside. So it isn't like Alcatraz or Eastern State where it's an indoor prison. And then like the prisoners are just looking like across the way at like an indoor set of cells. It's all outside. So it was all horribly miserable no matter what time of year. But um, <clears throat> he said that at the far end of the corridor is cell 14, which was occupied in the early 1900s by John Ryan. Now, Archie, this is the guy I texted you about yesterday. Yes. Um, he was not only disliked by the guards, but by the prisoners as well. Um, the, um, the assistant park manager, this, this Jesse Torres, says that when, at times when I pass by his old cell, I feel myself shivering because of the coldness. Um, especially in the dead of summer, it's icy cold by this man's cell. So um, John was found guilty of a crime against nature. Um, which meant he committed rape or another crime of sexual deviation. Uh, before he finished his sentence, he committed suicide in his cell. So one woman that had visited the prison said that she had been touching the wall of the cell because she's an empath. So she was kind of touching the wall of the cell when an unseen force wrenched her arm back and off the wall as if basically like, don't touch that kind of a thing. Um, she believes that this was John Ryan. Um, she had since refused to go anywhere near it again, but Arch, your friend and mine, Zach Bagans, convinced her to go back in it when oh, they did their episode on <laughs> How much did he pay her? Probably a lot. Or probably none at all, because, I mean, it's Zach Bagans. I mean, he might be questionable paranormal investigator, but he's on a popular show, and he's kind of hot. <laughs> I can admit it. Your payment, mm. your payment is television. Carrie, I'm disappointed in you. Who am I? <laughs> Wait, he's not Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> but who is, of course. And no, but none Ryan. of us are, which is what we established last week. None of us are Ryan Reynolds, pretty. Not happening. No, not happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll get back to what Ghost Adventures captured um, on their episode. Did have either one of you seen that episode? No. 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 Okay. Um, other accounts um, include muffled conversations in vacant rooms, witnesses seeing things out of the corner of their eyes, and a woman who sings in the visitor's area in the early morning. I think that would be a pleasant haunting. Um, just so long as it's not too. <laughs> exactly. If it was me, you wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's Johnny, who is another harmless ghost. He doesn't venture out of the gift shop. So um, I think the little girl should probably hang out with Johnny. He's actually content flicking coins in the cash register, but he never, he never does anything with the bills. He just flicks the coins out of the little drawers. 
which I would find highly annoying. Oh God, I would do that. <laughs> Archie is going to be one of the most annoying ghosts ever when he dies. Oh yeah, He's going sure. to annoy everybody. Oh, so yeah. same Z's as now, right? He's just going to yeah. be himself. <laughs> oh, harsh. Harsh. Sorry, it was too easy. I t- I <laughs> yeah, well, so am I. <laughs> there you go. That's the kind of ghost that you should be. <laughs> he's going to be the, topic, he's gonna be the ghost of Scruff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Are you listening, Scruff people? All right. Well, um, his phone starts going off. <laughs> I, love that Nan- I love that Nancy's like, he goes off topic. <laughs> Let's get this going. (laughs) Um, So another haunted cell has an unseen presence that a ranger admits is scary uh, to that. Normally they haven't really had too many experiences, but this one cell is scary. They don't like it at all. This space has actually been walled up. It was once used to house insane prisoners. I'm sorry, but I feel like any location, be it a prison, a hotel, a whatever, if you have something going on in that area that is so terrifying, you have to wall it away. No. Why? That's, that's, I can't think of anything scarier. Can you guys? You guys are all looking at me like, I can actually. I was going to say, that's kind of a perfect reason to wall up a room. (laughs) This seems completely reasonable. (laughs) Yeah, it's completely reasonable. Yeah. So you can't accidentally book somebody in the room where they're going to become insane. (laughs) Right? (sighs) Unless they're a previous guest that you know and you don't like. (laughs) VIP. Put them in the VIP room. (laughs) (laughs) The suite. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So apparently this ranger, after researching the cell and the different prisoners that had been in it, the ranger found a photo of a woman who was touring the facility in the 1930s. So they basically opened this up for tours, like almost as soon as it closed down as a prison. Um, So this woman was touring the facility in the 1930s. She had had her picture taken in front of this space, this cell area. I literally almost said cellular area. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, but you're cute and that's okay. You know, and I could have just let that slide without telling you, admitting that. Yeah, you could (laughs) have. Yeah, we would never have known. But you're cute and that's okay. (laughs) I am smart. SMRT. So this woman found this picture, uh, or the ranger found the picture of the woman taken in front of the cell after the film was developed. She discovered that there was this translucent man in the photo standing by the entry to the cell behind this woman. And I'm gonna try to find the picture to show you guys because it's very much Archie like Chloe from Myrtle's Plantation where you can see the wall like through him. Mm-hmm. Very much like you can see Chloe, you can see the the sighting of Myrtle's plantation through her. She's but very, very transparent. Yes, like just like a hint of an outline kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that could be just double exposure? I mean, it's not like the cameras back then were. Awesome. It could be. It could be. I mean, and the 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 guy behind her looks like a prisoner in a in a prisoner's like inmates uniform or whatever i don't know i have to find it and i'll have to send it to you guys and tell me what you think 
Um, also, the strum of a guitar can be heard drifting through the air, which I also think would be nice. Hmm. I mean, even a bad guitar playing can't be as bad you know, as bad singing, right? Johnny Cash floating through the air. Oh, if it were Johnny Cash, that'd be great. Well, you know, he did spend time in prison. I don't think he spent time at Yuma, though. It was a little <laughs> before his time, I think. Okay. Um, so circling back to Zach Bagans and his wily band of misfits on Ghost Adventures, uh, they did do an episode there where they caught the scream of a young girl or a woman, even though none were there at the at the prison at the time. And I mean, you can hear it. And it very definitely sounds like a child or a young female screaming. We have captured similar screams at Phelps Dodge. And it's interesting too, this place would, is exceptionally <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Do you mind? I'm kidding. You okay? Yeah. Are you done now? <laughs> um, so this place is actually exceptionally difficult to investigate because the Interstate 8, the I-8 freeway is right there. Like there's the roar of cars going by, the train goes by quite often. So it's, it's a really difficult place to investigate as opposed to say Phelps Dodge Hospital or Trans-Allegheny or because there's a major interstate, like the main artery from Phoenix to San Diego runs right next to it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <clears throat> yeah. um, it also is up on a hill and there's... Um, I believe it's the Colo- the Colorado River. Yes, runs. I know that that's the river, but I think that it. <laughs> you said I think. <laughs> Let me finish. There's a body of water that runs at the base of the hill, and I believe it's the Colorado River. It might be a creek, but it might not okay. be. <laughs> okay. At least it mean you're close to the river. Um, so I can't imagine that there's, there's anybody that's going down to the creek or anything like that, certainly not playing near like the on and off ramps of the freeway that would be there and scream. I don't know. It, w- it was ex- exceptionally hard for them to explain. And it kind of is for me too, just having been there and knowing. Well, hi, Rodney. Um, oh, God. <laughs> Archie's bird. I'm sorry. He's not my bird. It's Archie's bird. Let me try and can I should I go and try and shut him up or are we okay? I don't I think we're all right. Oh <laughs> Hi Rodney. Can you hear maybe me? Maybe the scream was just a bird. Maybe it was maybe it was Rodney. <laughs> right? No, I think I think he's responding to the use of his name. Oh. Oh. Hi Rodney. <laughs> nope. That means stop. <laughs> So just kind of knowing like the terrain and like the area that the prison is on and it is a park. So like there's gates around it that are closed. And I would imagine that like when TV shows film there, you can't just, you know, Joe Blow can't just roll up and be like, Hey, what's going on here at the prison? I mean, it is a national park, state park. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really interesting to hear that and just kind of be like, well, it's a little unexplainable. So I don't know that. Laura, what are your thoughts on a random scream? I mean, you do have the freeway right there, like you said, and people pull on and off exit ramps and, mm. you know, do random stuff, especially, you know, sure. a lot of times it's people going from Phoenix to San Diego, going to have a party weekend. You know, I mean, 
it could easily be somebody messing around outside. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Mm. Um, so some of the stuff that they captured um, on the episode of Ghost Adventures, I always like to mention it because, yeah, again, and I say it every time I bring up Ghost Adventures, yeah, I think they're too theatrical or whatever, but they have caught some pretty interesting stuff. So the one, the one thing that they captured, aside from the scream of this like younger female, um, they also captured anomalies on the SLS camera of figures on the stage in the museum. Um, now, Laura, are you familiar with the SLS camera? Mm-mm. Okay. So it's, SLS stands for Structured Light Sensor. Um, basically, it's a camera that has an infrared light projector that shows the human figure captured as a 3D stick figure. It was, um, it's based off of um, Xbox Connect video gaming technology. Um, the SLS camera was invented by an engineer by the name of Bill Chappell. So what it does is its software is designed so that it can map out a humanoid object. You okay? I need to get up. Okay. Um, it can map out a human, a humanoid object or basically a human figure by seeing its joints and other body parts like the head, the trunk and the limbs. So this camera can differentiate between, and it's, it's, coded to only pick out a humanoid figure. So as opposed to like, if somebody's walking on camera, as opposed to like a chair or a cabinet or a dog. I guess so. um, and if it detects that, then it will pop up on the screen as a little stick figure and say like anomaly acquired. Now, if like you or I were to walk in front of the SLS camera, it would show our almost like, like our bones as the stick figure, but then it would show the actual outline of our bodies in a thermal imaging mm-hmm. kind of way. But a spirit that pops up doesn't have that thermal heat signature. So it's just the stick figure. Have you seen that in shows and stuff? I don't think I have. I mean, I've seen the thermal stuff that they used to use, right? But mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen that one, no. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen- Sounds interesting. I've, I've seen the stick figure stuff and it's, it's amazing and it's creepy as shit. Hmm. It, it is. Um, and when we, I first started seeing evidence up from it, I was like, is it, because I mean, it's a stick figure, so it, it's going to move like a stick figure. And it, it's just, it's almost comical, but at the same time, it's also like, ah, that's really freaking creepy. <laughs> like, that's really <laughs> creepy. Um, so that's basically what the SLS camera is. So as Archie mentioned, the prison had a band and the band was made up of inmates. And they used to, in this section of the museum, they used to perform on this little, this stage for the guards and the other inmates. <laughs> so through this camera, this SLS camera, the crew of Ghost Adventures, they actually captured three humanoid figures on the stage. Um, one looked like it was tapping its foot um, another looked like it was strumming a guitar and <laughs> it did. It really did. I was like, what the fuck? Um, so Zach, Aaron and everybody that were like watching it through this SLS camera. Cause obviously they were down, like it's, it, you can, when you're, when you're doing the tour in this part of the museum, you sit there and you actually like watch a video of the history of the prison. Um, so there's like, like benches that you can sit on. And so that's where they had set up their equipment. Um, and they were looking at the stage and there's nobody on this stage, but the camera, the SLS camera is picking up three figures on it. 
So Zach and Aaron and everybody were so stunned and they were so excited watching it. Um, so when the figures stood still, they kind of waited because they can pop, they can like, like if the spirit like dissipates or decides it what doesn't want to be there anymore, it can like, or if it loses energy around it to even manifest, it just disappears. Um, so when the fo- figures stood still, the crew clapped and thanked them. And one of the stick figures bowed. Oh, that's freaky. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to watch this. Yeah, that's, a thousand percent. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting, too, because um, you guys had watched the the episode of Entity Voices that I was on with Tony and Cherie and Chris and Audra and Ron and Lourdes. And Ron had said something about one of the pieces of evidence that I had caught that it was, um, God, and I forget the word that he used, but it was in relation to a situation that was happening. And that's how it's very hard to, it, 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 it's, it's interesting as far as uh, from an evidentiary perspective that this particular anomaly, this camera captured when they were clapping and they thanked these whatever that was up there, the one bowed. So it was like interacting and like responding to not really a command it was given, but it was responding to an interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was having, it was really quite amazing. You guys should, you should watch it. And honestly, it was hilarious to see and wild all at the same time. So I, I do, I do encourage everybody to watch this episode of, of Ghost Adventures. Um, so now when I was there, I had, I had um, done some EVP work in like the first set of cells that you come to when you, when you tour the, the prison. And then I had done some EVP work on the dark cell. I did catch breathing in that one, but um, honestly, I, I can't quite tell if it's my own breathing or if it's something behind me because it sounds very far away. But I did have the EVP recorder kind of like down into the side so I can't differentiate. I can't quite tell if it's my own breathing or if it's breathing. I captured an entity in the cell. So I kind of just trash that because I'm like, there's no way it, it very well could have been me. Um, and then I caught, I did some EVP work in some of the other cells. Um, and then I also did some EVP work in the infirmary. Now, most of these rooms, like you can go into the dark cell, you can take a look in the library, the infirmary, you can't, the cell door to that is shut but you can like stick your camera phone through and kind of like take pictures and kind of see the room that way. So I had stuck my arm through the bars with the EVP recorder of the infirmary and I captured this and I've texted it to each of you. So it's kind of, um, it's a quick snippet. To me, it sounds like a female voice saying, who are you? Or we warned you. It's three syllables for sure, but I can't quite, discern what it's saying. So I'm going to pause the recording of the episode and I want you guys to listen to it because then I'm going to lay it down for the the listeners to listen to. But I want you guys to listen to it as many times as you need and let me know what you think it says. Okay. Okay. She has gone to a better place and that is her room. (laughs) (laughs) So she can watch Thor. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) You know what? I can't blame her. I mean, I I can't either. Um, So, no, yeah. So the live studio audience has... uh, Vacated. Vacated. (laughs) Um, Not that she didn't love the show, 
but she <laughs> she pulled a muscle in her lower back <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and it's taking forever to just kind of like get its life right mm. so <laughs> sitting here was starting to really hurt her so she's she's a excuses i know she's convalescing in her room with her puppy watching thor (laughs) she just wants to see chris hemsworth that's fine she doesn't have to make up excuses for us yeah we all get it if i I had the choice between the podcast and ryan reynolds i'd take it (laughs) aren't you finish this up for me (laughs) (laughs) bring it on home (laughs) yeah here's my notes um Okay, so I did, I sent you guys the EVP that I captured in the infirmary at the prison. Um, it's very fast, and I don't, I, I need to talk to the, the Entity Voices folks and be like, I need better sound engineering software, because right now, what I use is Audacity. I don't use it in GarageBand, which is actually where I edit and re-record and edit the episodes. And I don't really know how to use Audacity and all of its features, but I also know that they have better software for kind of drowning out the background and bringing a voice to the forefront. So I need to get that. But mm-hmm. in my rough blurb, blip, what did you guys hear? It uh, it took some selective hearing for me. Mm-hmm. but I, I had to listen a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I kept hitting repeat a lot. I did definitely hear and kind of a harsher female voice saying how could you oh okay okay but definitely three syllables right like you hear that yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. definitely definitely right okay how about you laura i can't make out what they're saying but i can definitely hear the you know like okay. something but it's yeah it's too it's too fast and too there's too much there's yeah i mean like background kind of yeah see that's the other thing is that that day so that was a sunday so like there was a lot of traffic of people like going back and forth to from arizona california for the end of the weekend and um so i'm going to actually send it to tony and chris and have them run it through their software they can also have the ability to slow it down um so we'll see if they are able to enhance it in any kind of way um and then we can follow it up with next week's episode but um yeah, uh, that was pretty much the only thing that I captured. Like I said, that were, there was that breath in the dark cell, but it could have been mine. It could have been... I was the only one in there until I scared the little lady. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, there's one cell in particular that I didn't go into. I didn't, or I didn't want to go into it at all because it just felt like something bad was going to happen if I did go in it. And like I said, some of these cells you actually can't go into. And this one has two bunks in it, two beds in it. And then the pictures of the prisoners that stayed there. And there's like a ring bolt on the floor where they would like shackle the prisoners into the cell. Um, but I would walk, I walked up to the door and I looked in and I was like, don't go in there, Carrie. Don't, don't go in there. Don't. That, you know, yeah, I get that feeling where you're like, nothing good is going to come out of me walking through this door. <laughs> And it's sort of your intuition is like, mm, stop, don't, just take a picture and leave. So I went in and <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did a quick EVP session. I, I made sure that I touched nothing at all. Like I didn't even set the recorder down. Like I would set the recorder down in, there was another cell in the beginning of the the cell block when you exit the museum. I set the recorder down on, 
one of those bunks and I let it run for a little bit, but I didn't touch anything in this place because I was like, I, I felt like if I did, something would attach to it or me. And I didn't want that to happen. So I did a quick EVP session and then I got the fuck out. Uh, once I got outside, I did actually feel better and a little bit safer. Um, but I still felt as I was leaving. So they have this area that's. <laughs> they also wanted to leave the cell. Dear God, <laughs> they're here. Um, <laughs> they have this, this area called the new yard, which is basically just gravel surrounded by a huge, like eight, nine, 10 foot tall wall. And that was their yard, their recreation yard. I'm like, oh, this must have been lovely in July. Um, but once I got out into the yard and I started to walk away and like kind of back toward the exit for the prison, I, I still felt something watching me from that cell. Like it was just sort of in the doorway, like watching me walk away. It was terrible. So that's pretty much what I have for the ghosts and the the hauntings of the Yuma Territorial Prison. Um, it one of the things, Archie, that you and I had talked about yesterday, the John Ryan guy that committed suicide in his cell and he wasn't liked by the prisoners or the the guards. Mm-hmm. He had been put in there for quote, crimes against nature. And yep. when I was doing my research, I came across his name on a list of um, historical LGBT events in Arizona. Yeah, on the gay wiki. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Laura, are you familiar with this guy? Have you, do you know, like you seem to like, the look on your face was sort of like, I, I, I. when you said that, um, his crime, I was like, oh, he's probably a homo. <laughs> That's how they always get us. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was the only, and I had texted Archie about it and I'm like, uh, I found this interesting. It was the only thing I could find. So I texted Archie and I was like, this is interesting. It's popping up as like one of the first LGBT event, historical events in the state of Arizona. In the state of Arizona. Yeah. I found that too. Did you find anything else? <clears throat> You know, I I couldn't. I Despite all my, all my research, I mean, I even found a oh God, it was a five hundred and thirteen page PDF on LGBT rights and civil rights in the United States. God damn, and you went on a deep dive. <laughs> I did. I I went pretty deep on that one, and I, I couldn't even find anything on him for that. Nothing else. Mm. Nothing else. Yeah, it could have been. As you said, it's such an ambiguous charge mm-hmm. that it could have been rape. It could have been. It could have been bestiality. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so charming to be associated with. <laughs> no yeah. Sarcasm. Right. <laughs> that wasn't clear, guys. That was. I'm going to pretend it was like a very cool Arizona Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> They were cattle rustlers. Maybe not rustlers, cattle herders. Right. Cattle, yeah. They fell in love. They fell in, in love. In Snowflake. <laughs> in Snowflake. <laughs> that could be. I'm going to bring it all the way back around, you know. Uh, full circle. That's what we're all about here. Well, I mean, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> she's, she's, she's fitting in already so well. She's um, all up the reach around. Oh, also. <laughs> 
Also, another crime against humanity. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Archie's bringing them up today. Right? Goodness. You guys thought I was being racy with the woman showing her ankle. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, um, my mother wanted me to let you know, Laura, that you were doing a wonderful job. You fit in really well with, quote, those two yahoos. <laughs> um, oh, Nancy, I'm going to choose to take that. <laughs> I mean, I did. Oh. Although yeah. she did then leave, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> she did then leave. Uh, yeah. Um, and she also said that everything I'm saying is absolutely true and everybody should believe all the ghosts I'm talking about. Okay, that part was a lie. I made that up. She didn't say that. <laughs> but as my mother, she should. So that's 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 what I got for the hauntings, guys. Um, Archie, mm. you know I love a good fun fact. And I have a few for Yuma Territorial Prison. Oh, nice. So there are a number of movies and shows that have been filmed here. Um, the movie, A movie by the name of Riot that was filmed in 1969 starred Gene Hackman. Uh, the Bad... Bad what? Badlanders. <laughs> wow. The Badlanders. <laughs> what kind wow. of accent is that? <laughs> Fuck it, a. The Badlanders in 1958, starring Alan Ladd. Red River Valley in 1936, starring Gene Autry. There was even a silent film kind of documentary type of movie titled "Life in a Western Penitentiary" in 1914. Oh, cool. Um, also, one that kind of surprised me: Rambo Three. What? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm not a Sylvester Stallone fan, so I've never seen any of the Rocky movies. I've never seen any of the Rambo movies. The only movie I've ever seen him in is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> <laughs> if that tells anybody anything. Um, <laughs> so, what else? Uh, of course, Ghost Adventures, um, our favorite BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, an episode of Bonanza was filmed there movie The Quick and the Dead, an episode of Annie Oakley was filmed there. And what I found really interesting was 310 to the movie, both movies, 310 to Yuma, which is a story about a man being taken to the Yuma Territorial Prison, but no scenes from the prison were actually used or shown in the film. The prison is just constantly referenced. (laughs) And I'm like, I mean, I suppose that's a good claim to fame. Like the whole movie is about this guy who is being transported under armed guard or whatever to the prison, but I'd always heard about them, but I didn't know that they never showed the prison, and that is fucking hilarious. I think it's hilarious too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, in my in closing, um, as Archie, you know what? As you mentioned, by 1907, um, the prison was severely overcrowded, and there was no room on Prison Hill for the ex- for any sort of expansion, and there isn't like there's enough room for the prison and then the cemetery. And that's about it. Um, The convicts, (laughs) the convicts, what convicts, right? Convicts. You can can do it. Yes. You can do it. You got it. The inmate, the inmates, the inmates constructed a new (laughs) facility in Florence, Arizona and uh, the Yuma prison was vacated by 1909, as RG had mentioned. I did want to say that over a century later, 
The prison actually continues on as a living legend and the symbol of the Wild West, both a hellhole and a model institution. It is a character in a true story about a time when desperados, murderers, and thieves were brought to justice. Oh, nice. Yay. Very so, cool. thank you. That's such a great close. Thank you. Um, so my, as always, my no before you go, uh, the address of the prison is 220 North Prison Hill Road in Yuma, Arizona, 85364. You can call them with any questions you have, including hours of operation due to COVID being, you know, changing everybody's lives and nobody knows what the fuck is happening from one day to the next. Uh, Their number is area code 928-783-4771. Generally, they are open Thursday through Monday from nine to five. Tickets are $8 for adults, $6 for seniors age 62 and over, $4 for children age seven to 13. So sorry, Laura, Zane just passed that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but free for children six and under and Zane is no longer part of that. Uh, he's just going to continue to cost you more money as he gets older. <laughs> Always his hand in my pocket every day. Every day. Um, so yeah, I, I actually really do encourage everybody to go and I would love it if the three of us could go again before I go, before I move because Yuma's not that far away. It's about a two and a half, three hour drive. Um, it's, a really fascinating place. Archie, the whole time I was there, I was like, God, I wish Archie were here because he would really love this. It's just so authentic. And so um, it's so rich in its history. And it is exactly the same as it was when these prisoners, Pearl Hart and... Yeah, wow. Yeah, so if if we can, I would very much like for the three of us to do a road trip down there. Definitely bring Koi and Zane and we can like, you know, take all those fun pictures of them behind bars and like, you know, how we always dream about locking up our kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> I'll bring Some good wishful thinking. <laughs> right? Right? Um, to teach them like, you know, please, you know, grow up to be leaders of corporations and not leaders of gangs. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's what I've got. And that was Yuma Territorial Prison, guys. Uh, so what are your thoughts, Laura? What do you think of this place? Did we make you want to go? I do. I would really actually like to go. I think it sounds pretty cool. Um, if, if not for anything else in the history, mm-hmm. um, I'd really like just to see it. Um, seems like a neat place to go just to explore um, besides the haunting stuff. Um, I don't know how much I feel the haunting, but I would like to see the dark cell that sounds incredibly right incredibly weird and awkward and i'll probably be claustrophobic the whole time but i I would still like to you know at least speak my head in and hope that carrie doesn't scare the shit out of me right don't be blocking the exit so she can run out (laughs) exactly i need a clear uh way to get out right okay arch what about you sounds cool oh yeah i'm down yeah yeah, I think it. I think it's really fascinating. I um, I've always said I'm a bad Arizonan. There's so much about the state that is just fascinating and interesting. And every time we do an Arizona location, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Did you know that, Archie? I didn't know that. I mean, like, I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning so much from my own podcast um, <laughs> about the state that I've lived in for 43 fucking years. Um, <laughs> it's about time, right before you move. 
Right? <laughs> God, I know I'm terrible. I'm, I'm just so terrible. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's that's not on that. We will be back next week with a brand new location. And uh, Arch, why don't you bring it on home and tell the folks where they can find us? As usual, we can be found everywhere you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Also, we are all over social media at HOH Podcast which includes Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. That's did it. we even did we even bother with Google Plus? No, that's dead now. I'm I'm old. It, oh, I was like what's Google Plus? <laughs> <laughs> We're also on MySpace. Right. <laughs> We're friends of Tom. Uh, you, we can also And ask Jeeves. Find us at aol.com. <laughs> You've got mail. Oh, man. Also, um, (laughs) podcast.com and Patreon at, you guessed it, HOH Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. And, uh, Laura, I think this week, since now you're practically a veteran of the show, go ahead and uh, close it out for us, and we will end on your thoughts. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode, and I'm very excited to be back, hopefully next week, if they let me come back. So see you guys then. I mean, we were hoping she comes back. I texted Archie earlier, and I was like, I don't know. All of a sudden, we made her a religious expert, and I told her she wasn't as pretty as Ryan Reynolds. So we'll see if she shows up this week. <laughs> as the big lapsed Catholic that I am, it's like the, I'm the worst person to be speaking on behalf of the Catholic faith. <laughs> He's if I offended anybody, I'm super sorry. It's, <laughs> super sorry. That's a totally different podcast. I don't know. <laughs> right? Like, exactly. I, <laughs> how to offend the Catholics today. Join us. <laughs> <Right. laughs> a weekly show. All right, guys. We love you. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>